for each kid that, uh, that we had born, we picked songs um, uh, that kind of described uh, our hopes and dreams for that child, uh, as well as sort of what God was doing in us and through us in that moment. And um, uh, we were very content with, uh, with two children. And, uh, and at the same time, my schedule had blown up recently, and uh, we thought we were sort of tapped out financially and time-wise and emotional energy that we had to give, uh, when suddenly we felt like God was calling us to consider having a third child. And uh, that third child came along. His name is Simon. And uh, the song that we picked for him is Way Beyond Me. Uh, because we really felt like um, adding a third child uh, to our family at that time in uh, our life was, was beyond our ability and beyond what we had the context for. And uh, to some degree, I think that we were probably right. Uh, and so what we're going to do today is, is sort of celebrate how we kind of hit these different places in life where we say, hey, that's beyond me. Anybody ever had a moment like that? Good, I'm not the only one, uh, right? So this is, uh, is kind of interesting. We, we hit different circumstances and situations in life where we just kind of throw up our hands and we want to retreat, we want to withdraw and say, that's beyond me, right? Uh, there might be uh, different health uh, things, different injuries <laughs> that you face. Uh, there might be a, a trouble in your marriage or a trouble in your family, and all those things kind of pile up and mount one on top of another, and you're tempted to throw up your hands and say, that's way beyond me. Um, in our spiritual life, our, our connection uh, to Christ, we uh, sometimes have the tendency to do the same type of thing. Uh, we sense God's invitation uh, to go and have a spiritual conversation with somebody else. And we throw up our hands and say, that's way beyond me. Uh, we sense God's invitation to be part of a ministry or, or even lead a ministry, and we we, we retreat and we withdraw and we say, that's way beyond me. Uh, we sense God's uh, prompting to, uh, to give more financially or time-wise. And we look at our circumstances and the way that we're doing life and we say, that's beyond me. And so today what we get to do is kind of look at Jeremiah chapter 1 because in Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah has sort of thrown up his hands and he's tempted to retreat and withdraw and say, that's, that's way beyond me, God. And we're going to look at the different reasons that Jeremiah kind of lays out, and then we'll look at the good news about a God who says, hey, nothing, nothing is beyond me. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, go ahead and put up that, uh, that next one. Uh, he says this, uh, this is God talking to Jeremiah. Uh, this is uh, God's invitation to Jeremiah. He says, Jeremiah, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations, uh, we got to deal with that word prophet, first of all, just so we understand uh, what God is inviting Jeremiah into. A prophet is really just somebody who speaks God's word. Uh, it's somebody who hears a message from God and then shares it with people around him. Uh, we usually think about a prophet doing the prophetic work, and that's, you know, they're telling the future. That's kind of how we always think about a prophet. Uh, that's a narrow perspective. That's one of the things that a prophet does. But a prophet also is just somebody in a much, much broader way who just hears a message from God and then begins to speak it uh, to people or to the world around him. So a prophet is uh, just somebody who hears and speaks, and, and that's the call for Jeremiah. And, and he's going to list off five things, or there's, there's five things that all kind of pile one on top of another, where he's going to throw up his hands and say, that's, that's beyond me, God. Uh, so go ahead and put up those five things. The first one is the scope of what God is inviting Jeremiah into. We just got to see this, right? Uh, God doesn't say, Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet in your hometown of Anathoth. That would have been one thing, right, because uh, there he is loved, he is known, and he might have uh, been able to speak and be heard, 
Um, but that's not what God said. Uh, and it also wasn't, Jeremiah, I want you to be a prophet uh, to, to, the Israel, to the nation of Israel, to, to the people of God. Uh, that would have been another thing, still a great big challenge, but at least he would have been speaking to people who spoke the same language and had a basic love and understanding of God and who he is. Instead, God comes along and says, Jeremiah, I am making you a prophet to what? To the nations. It's a pretty big scope, yeah? <laughs> making you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah is tempted to throw up his hands and say, God, that is way beyond me. Uh, the second thing that, uh, that might be a, a troubling thing in the heart and mind of Jeremiah is Jeremiah's history, uh, which is really just to say the place that he's from. I already mentioned that he's from the town of Anathoth. And uh, if you're just looking at a map, right, Jerusalem's kind of here. Anathoth is sort of just a little bit of a ways up there. It's about an hour uh, walk from Anathoth to Jerusalem-ish. I've never taken that walk. I just like did my homework and read about it. Um, so it's about an hour walk from, from Anathoth to Jerusalem. And, um, and, you know, it's just kind of interesting. Um, at this time in history, right, if you really wanted to be heard, you needed to be from Jerusalem. It's kind of like this, right? If you uh, are, are going to speak God's word and be heard and people are going to listen to what you say and follow what you say, um, are you going to listen to somebody from Anathoth or are you going to listen to somebody from Jerusalem? You know, listen to somebody from Jerusalem. And don't take this the wrong way, but um, uh, if you're going to listen to somebody preach today, are you going to listen to Dave Prill or are you going to listen to Francis Chan? Right? You're going to listen to Francis Chan because he just hears from God in a different way and, he, and, and he's so much more articulate. Right? I mean, it, it's, just, it's that kind of deal where you're going to listen uh, to the one that, that is more renowned. That, that person is going to be from Jerusalem. Um, Anathoth always travels up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem never travels to Anathoth. So his history, where he is from, makes a huge difference. And Jeremiah looks at that and says, That's, what you're inviting me into is, is way beyond me, God. Um, his identity is another piece where he's going to um, uh, just feel in his heart and in his mind like, this is too much for me, God. Uh, so, so you can see what he says there. He says that I'm only a youth and I don't know how to speak. And so this is uh, probably a, a couple of different things. Uh, number one, he's in good company. When God invites people to do things, that's a common excuse to say, I don't know how to talk. Uh, Moses does it way back when. Uh, the prophet Isaiah does it. Jeremiah does it. Uh, so look, if you're ever saying that in your own heart and mind, you're in good company. Um, uh, you're in good company there. So uh, Jeremiah says, uh, my identity, I, I'm a young guy and I don't know how to speak. It might mean a couple of different things. There might be a physical thing happening where Jeremiah is saying, look, I'm just a young guy and, and I, don't, I, I don't have much public speaking experience. I don't really know what it's like to uh, debate people, you know, face to face. Um, I, I'm just not experienced at speaking God. So, so I think you, you're, you're choosing the wrong person. And there's this thing probably in Jeremiah's mind where he knows uh, kind of that comparison thing again. If you have a choice at this time in history to listen to a 20-year-old punk or listen to a 50, 60, 70-year-old, everybody's going to choose to listen to the 50, 60, 70-year-old. Uh, if you're a, a young guy, like Jeremiah probably is in this uh, particular chapter, um, nobody's going to listen to you. Your role at this time in history, at his age, was to sit down and, sh and shut up, 
right? Your role was to um, uh, open God's word and read the Torah. Your job was to sit and listen to the priests and the, and the, and the other prophets and, and to listen to what they had to say and learn from their knowledge. Your role was not to speak. And so Jeremiah says, God, I'm only a young guy. I don't know how to speak. This is way beyond me. And then there's this thing about promised trouble. It's kind of interesting. God comes along and, and he says, uh, Jeremiah, don't be afraid. Now, you know that the only time that you say don't be afraid is if there's something to actually be afraid of, right? And, uh, and God says, I'm going to be with you to deliver you. And, and that's the same type of deal. You only say, I'm going to deliver you if there's a reason or something that you need to be delivered from. And so uh, God comes and he kind of makes this promise to Jeremiah that he's going to face trouble. God's not pulling any punches. He's laying it out pretty clear. This is going to be really hard. And there will be things to be afraid of. You're going to have more enemies than friends, Jeremiah. God, this is way beyond me. And then there's this, uh, this uncomfortable work. It's down in verses 9 and 10. And, and Jeremiah's uh, primary work is to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow. Uh, he has other work, but uh, that kind of work is uncomfortable work. Uh, essentially what Jeremiah is supposed to do is he's uh, supposed to take on uh, sort of the, the, the pop culture um, the religious authorities and, and the church of the day, uh, they all kind of lined up with pop culture. And everybody was kind of saying, look, this is how you do life. Um, this is what you're supposed to do. And hey, we're good. And God sends Jeremiah to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow. He sends Jeremiah to say, mm, we're not so good. And actually, that's not the truth. This is truth right from the heart and the mind in the mouth of God. It's going to be a massively uncomfortable work to stand up in the public square and to say, hey, we're not doing this right, folks. We need to change. And, um, and Jeremiah looks at this uncomfortable work that he's called into, and he says, God, this is way beyond me. Um, so again, right, it's kind of interesting to consider the different Things. I mean, maybe which one of those things kind of pulls at your heart the most? Uh, which excuse maybe you use most often? <laughs> um, and, I, and I think, of, you know, about the different things that we are invited into, the, the great things like the Great Commission. Um, go make disciples of all nations. <laughs> Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Or even the two greatest commandments, as Jesus summarizes them, right? Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And we look at those things, and I don't know about you, but I kind of have this feeling of like, that's beyond me, God. Or we think about uh, the, the process of making disciples that make disciples, and you know, I don't know how to make a disciple. Um... Maybe we even just consider, uh, you know, God's invitation to live a balanced life where we're balancing rest and work. And we feel like our life circumstances just don't allow for that right now. I'm not very good at that resting thing. That's way beyond me, God. Just so many things in life where we kind of look at what God is inviting us into. And we just kind of have this approach that naturally says, that's beyond me. 
So um, it's super awesome this morning, and, and just see this, right? It's super amazing when we consider like who Jeremiah is and what he says about himself, how he might feel about himself. And then it's super amazing to look at God because God comes along and says, yeah, that is beyond you, but nothing is beyond me. Super powerful here. Just all this stuff that God says. Uh, God says uh, there in chapter one, he says, Jeremiah, I formed you. That word form is a word that means like squeezing or pressing. Um, uh, it's a word that a potter would use, right, as he's like uh, spinning his wheel and, and, uh, and, and uh, creating some kind of uh, pot or some kind of uh, bowl or something like that. Um, and, and that might feel uncomfortable. If, if all we have is uh, God forms us, he squeezes us and molds us, that's not very comfortable until we see that second thing where God says, Jeremiah, I knew you. And look at how long God has known him. Jeremiah, I knew you, what, before you were born. Before you were formed in your mother's tummy, I knew you. And this word knowing is like a deep knowledge. It's not like a surface level, like, yeah, he likes the White Sox and pizza. And it's like a deep heart level knowledge of who Jeremiah is. Uh, God is saying, Jeremiah, I know you better than you know yourself. Jeremiah, I love you and all of your uh, perceived inadequacies. Jeremiah, I know you. Jeremiah, I formed you. Nothing is beyond me. Jeremiah, I, I knew you. Nothing is beyond me. Jeremiah, I consecrated you. Uh, that word consecrate is a word that means um, set apart or anointed. So it's kind of like this deal of like, uh, you know, Jeremiah might be in a group of people and God kind of pulls out Jeremiah and says, look, I'm going to put you over here and I've got this, this really specific and intentional plan and purpose for your life. Jeremiah, I formed you, I knew you, and I, this, is what I, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm inviting you into. I consecrated you. Nothing is beyond me. And then God says, uh, kind of this twofold, I am with you to deliver you. And I kind of talked about the, uh, the, the sort of flippant negative side of that. But, but just see this, right? Uh, what I see God saying there is, um, Jeremiah, your courage doesn't come from yourself. It doesn't come from something that you muster up inside of yourself. Jeremiah, your courage doesn't come from you fixing your inadequacies. Jeremiah, your, your, your courage isn't going to come from, from more experience and, and from getting things right. Your courage comes from outside of yourself. It comes from me, God says. I am with you to deliver you. That's where your courage comes from. Nothing is beyond me. And then we get this thing about God equipping Jeremiah. It's super beautiful, right? Uh, uh, God, the creator of heaven and earth, uh, who, who also loves us deeply, listens to the word and the heart of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says, I can't speak. And God says, okay, let me come and do a miraculous touch on your mouth. I'm going to touch your mouth. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And all you have to do is open your mouth and, and my words will flow out. Super incredible. Right? God says, look, nothing is beyond me. Um, it, it's, it's just super powerful, right, to, to consider, like, all the things in life that sort of make us throw up our hands and want to retreat and withdraw and say, that's way beyond me. And then to think about a God who comes alongside and says, yeah, it probably is, but nothing is beyond me. Um, 
if you're looking for a couple of applications, one might be just kind of taking some time to really spend time with Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, what are you inviting me into? I've listed off a whole bunch of different things this morning, but, uh, but to some degree, we've got to spend some time with Jesus ourselves and, and just spend some time sitting on that question. Jesus, what are you inviting me into? And then after we hear that and we begin to make our excuses and, and wrestle with our own inadequacies and the things that make us want to withdraw and retreat, we want to lift our eyes off of ourselves, lift our eyes off of our inability, and lift our eyes up to God, who's always able. God who says nothing is beyond me. Um, if I can find my notes here, I, I want to just circle back on, on some of those lyrics um, that Toby Mac wrote. And uh, I think are just so powerful. He says this, he says, In over my head keeps me counting on you. Did you catch that line? In over my head keeps me counting on you. I'm leaving the sweet spot. I'm leaving the sure shot. I'm trading it all in for the plans that you, God, have got. God, you take me to a place where I know that I need you. Isn't that beautiful? God, you take me to a place where I know that I need you. You take me straight to the depths that I can't handle on my own. Lord, I know, I know that I need you, so will you take me to your great, to your great unknown? Uh, you're totally right to say this is way beyond me. But I hope today you can hear the great good news that you've got a God who says nothing is beyond me. So let's get going. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, uh, you showed us this truth so beautifully on Easter morning. Uh, it seemed like there was just one thing that was beyond you. It seemed like, like Satan and death and sin had won. And then you walked out of that tomb. And you showed us without a doubt, nothing is beyond you. And so will you please open up our hearts and our minds? Will you speak clearly to us and show us what you're inviting us into? Will you give us that courage? Uh, that courage that we can't muster up on our own, um, that courage that doesn't come from ourselves, that courage that comes really only from you. Will you lift our eyes off of ourselves and our own inability and just help us to see you as a God who's completely able. And uh, if our feet are stuck, oh man, will you just give us the energy and the strength to put one foot in front of another and to trust you each step along the way. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen.